sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Where the word of a king is, there is power. I thank you for power this morning. I pray, O oh God, that the word of God will be glorified and have free course amongst your people. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will fill my mouth and fill my heart. I pray that Jesus will be magnified. Oh, that I may increase, decrease, so that he may increase, is my prayer. I pray, O oh God, for every hardness of heart. I pray that that heart will be broken and that the word of God will be able to penetrate and give us more of you and make us more conformable to the image of your son. Give us a reality of Jesus this morning. Let it not be something far away. Make your word real to us and make it practical. Let your word change us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Praise the Lord. Well, all too soon we've come to the end of our three-day Daughter You Can Make It convention. And we want to thank you for opening your doors to us and for receiving us so warmly. Thank you especially for giving us pillows to put our heads on and giving us good food. It's not easy to minister when you have had good food. But the Lord has been gracious. Amen. And we want to also thank you for supporting the primary school project. And for the fact that you are going to support it after the preaching. I want to thank you in advance. I want to salute your prophet and his wife. Pastor Brian and his wife. Pastor Dr. Brown and his wife. And all the pastors and their wonderful wives, thank you for the unity, thank you for believing in me, and thank you for encouraging God's gift on my life. God bless you all richly. Thank you for standing with my husband, the bishop. And thank you for the rich relationship that you have with him. I know that it is a blessing. Because when God was honoring Jesus, he gave him men. And I think that God has done the same in the life of our bishop. Amen. I also want to thank my husband, the bishop, for allowing me to be a preacher under his ministry. I don't take it for granted. And I thank God for his life. Amen. And I want to salute the sons for supporting us for not being intimidated, 
for being a part of us and for knowing that the word of God is the word of God. I mean, everywhere all over the world, the sons really flow in the Daughter Economic Convention. And I want to salute them for that. Last year, when I was in the States, Reverend Joel Obobisa said to me that he thinks that I should change the name from Daughter You Can Make It to International Convention so that everybody will feel special and everybody will flow. And then I asked the ladies, and we took a vote, but the ladies said no. We want our own daughter, you can make it. And so it stays as that. Amen. But we thank God for all his goodness. Hallelujah. And I want to celebrate every woman here. The daughters, thank you for taking part. Thank you for even buying the cloth. Because every little penny on the cloth goes to the primary school as well. And every, fun, every fundraising done at daughter conventions also goes to the primary school. And we thank God for your zeal in buying the cloth and making various styles. If it were men, we would struggle. But because it's you, we are blessed. Amen. So God bless you. And I want you to know as a woman that if you take women out of the Bible, even Jesus' ministry would not have been sustained. Because the Bible says that it is the woman who ministered out of their substance to him. And sometimes, women are not the ones who do the big, 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 big businesses, but they are the ones who keep the ministry running with their little and their much. So God bless you. And may these meetings make you more like Christ. May these meetings transform your home, your private life, your walk with the Lord. May it take you to a different height. And may you not regret being a woman and say that a woman has many more problems. No, men have more problems. And it is being proven scientifically now that as women have menopause, men now have andropause. And women talk more about their changes in their bodies and what they are going through. Men don't share much. They are not verbal. They don't talk much about what is happening. And then also, Newsweek was saying that there's a higher percentage of men who suffer from heart disease and stroke because of stress. And because also, they don't even know how to put words to what they feel. So we thank God that we know how to put words to what we feel. Hallelujah. And it's leading to prolongation of our lives. So God bless all sisters. And I know that if many of you were not in many homes, things will not be the way they are. And so celebrate your womanhood and know that God has invested something in you. Not to oppose men, but to be unique and peculiar as a woman and to be blessed as a woman. So God bless you. This morning I want to speak to you about it's a woman's thing. Hallelujah. It's a woman's thing. I think that Everybody has their thing. Amen. I know that I as a woman, I find it amazing that a man will see a picture of a nude or naked woman who is Chinese and still have a desire for a Chinese woman he has never met before. 
But that is because it's a man's thing. Amen. But we are wired for relationships. And we don't often just react to pictures and to sight. God did not make us that way. We need to hook up, be emotionally involved, and have a relationship before we can flow from them. So men also have their thing. Amen. And it is said that tailors and seamstresses, they also have their thing. And that is that they lie to you about the date when your clothes will be ready. It's their thing. Amen. One day I was going to my seamstress and when I got there, they said she was not there. But I had made an appointment to meet somebody there. So when I was talking to the person, I decided to just go through the back door because the person had used the wrong entrance of the seamstress's house. So when I went to the back entrance, here was the seamstress running away and we met. You know, so it's a, it's a, a tailor and a seamstress's thing. And I keep telling the ones in church, look, if you know that it will not be ready in a week, tell us that two weeks. And when it's two weeks, when we come, make sure that it's ready. But don't be telling us stories and various things. So tailors and seamstresses also have their thing. And we as women also, we have our thing. Amen. And this afternoon, morning, I want to speak to you about it's a woman's thing. The Bible says that these things were written for us, upon whom the end of the ages have come, so that we may be admonished or we may be instructed. Amen. Things that were written beforehand, they happened so that we would take instruction from them. People say that experience is the best teacher. Experience is not the best teacher. The word of God is the best teacher. Experience is a teacher, yes, but it's not the best teacher. It is when you don't learn from the word that sometimes God has to take you to the school of hard knocks so that you will learn from the school of hard knocks and be all that. God is trying to make you. Amen. So I want us to read Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. The Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. That which is done is that which shall be done. And there's no new thing. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It has already of old time been done. And it was before us. That is the book of Ecclesiastes. But we are going to Genesis 3. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. When you see something, you say, See, this is new. Before you find out, it has been done before. So there's nothing new under the sun. Amen. And that is why it is appropriate for us to learn from the examples of the women who have gone before us so that we will also not make the same mistake. Hallelujah. It's a woman's thing. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Hallelujah. Now we see here that Satan has a set of temptations for women. First of all, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the last of the eyes, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. 
Now the Bible talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And I believe that the first woman had this set of temptations. Because when she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, and something to be desired, and Satan said that when you eat it, you will be like God, the pride of life. When you eat it, you see God is trying to hide some things from you. God is trying to deprive you of something. But when you eat this apple, your eyes will open and you will be just like God. And so you will be able to rule your life just like God is ruler. And unfortunately, Eve fell for it. The Bible, uh, Satan said if you eat it, it is a tree to be desired to make one wise. So Eve thought that she was not wise enough. Amen. So she thought, if I eat this thing, it will make me wise. The pride of life. And it was good for food. It was useful carnally. The lust of the flesh. And it was pleasant to the eyes. The lust of the eyes. So Eve was the one who was tempted. And it's sad to say that today, those same temptations rage. We are so moved by what we see. Like I was saying in the first service, when we see a man, we look at what he has. Does he have a BMW? Is his car flashing? Does he have money? Then we forget that God says we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It is a perennial problem of sisters. When we see the brothers, or we see the worldly brothers, if there's anything like that, anything they tell us, we fall for it. Because, you know, when we were created, everything was in place before we came. The birds of the air were there. The fish of the sea were there. The fruits were there. The garden was in place. Even Adam was waiting for us. So we are used to security. And we are used to having everything in place. Amen, ladies? And so when now we don't have anything in place, we are not patient with God. We feel that the thing must happen for us now. Hallelujah. I am so happy that I married my husband when he didn't have anything. Hallelujah. And when he was very lean and lanky, I thank God that he gave me eyes for the future. Amen. I didn't even know what God will make out of his life. He was a student just like me. And it was later, after some years, still in medical school, that he told me that he felt that God was speaking to him to start a church. And even when we started the church, we didn't know what we were about. And so we didn't take offering in the church. We felt that we are a new 21st century church that has come. So as for us, we don't take offering. And we don't take tithes. So when you come to the church, it's just preaching. And after that, you go away. So whether we need an organ, whether we need whatever, we would rally ourselves together. But we were paying tithes. But we wouldn't teach the church members to pay tithes. And even on one occasion, we came to church. They said, give your offering to the person next to you. Thank God that he delivers us from immaturity. <laughs> Hallelujah. We felt that we are a new model church that has come about. And so one pastor came and said, you are no wiser than God. God wants his people to be blessed. And you 
and your beloved and Reverend Saki and all these people, you give tithes. But you don't teach the church members to give tithes because like, you don't want to worry them. But that is God's way. And you are depriving the people of a blessing. And the preacher took the small organ we had and began to fan himself and said, this thing must go. And through that, we started to make envelopes and to do first and best and to teach on tithe. But there was no tithe even, no offering in the church. And so it's not like um, I saw anything hopeful, you know, that, oh, they collect tithe or they collect offerings. So I didn't know even how my life would be. And then after medical school, my husband announced to me that he felt that God was calling him to full-time ministry. At this time, I was earning more than he was. And I was wondering how we were going to make it. But I think there was also some form of naivete. I, I was naive. Naive, blind faith. So I was just, I felt that God will provide. I mean, by all means, we'll eat. So sometimes after church, we'll look everywhere for our coins, our little money that we have, we'll buy a tin of corned beef, and I'll make nice corned beef stew and we'll eat. Never once did it occur to us that we should complain. Never once did it occur to us that why has, we didn't think we were going through hardships. It didn't occur to us. And I think that it was some divine grace. And so when I married my husband, he was Brother Doug. Then he became Pastor Doug. Then he became Reverend Doug. Then he became Bishop Doug. Then he became the presiding bishop. And so it has taken some steps. Hallelujah. To get to this place. But if I was going to look at what was pleasant to the eyes, I had met other people who were accomplished doctors already. It's not now that they are going to mark their papers to see whether they will do well. Hallelujah. And even one of the guys I met who came my way was a Baptist guy, Christian, who was my husband's lecturer. And I thought that if he knew that my husband and I were getting close, he may penalize my husband in the school. So... Once he came to visit me and I had gone out with Bishop. So when I came back, I got down at the gate and he asked me, so where did you go? So I went out with a friend because I felt that if I mentioned Bishop's name, it wouldn't be easy. But these were all accomplished people. And my mom asked me once, these are nice doctors. They work already. And most importantly, they are fantasies. Why do you want to go to somewhere that... And I said, because I can't see their commitment properly. And my mother said, really? And when the fantasies would come, my mother would be drawing her curtains, giving them milkshake and things. And when my husband says, good morning, my mother would say, mm-hmm. And then she would just... But thank God for eyes for the future. Hallelujah. But if you are going to look at what is pleasant to the eyes, at the time, you will miss out on what God has to do. If you look at what will make you wise, what will make you progress quickly, you will miss out on what God wants you to do. And sometimes what I'm saying sounds social, but it's a problem amongst us. We are always going to marry unbelievers. We are always going out with unbelievers. We say we are single, but we are not single in the night. Amen, ladies. But God is trying to straighten our lives and to get us to be serious. And it's a woman's thing. When the men give you the raps, 
Whether it's true or it's not true. Sometimes you know that it's not true, but you want to believe it. And we hang on it more than we hang on the word of God. When God says, oh, are you sure? When God gives you promises that are eternal from the foundations of the earth, you say, oh. but when that foolish acquiescence tells you that I will do this, and I say, then you dream about it. You meditate on it. Hey, he even said this. He even said that. It's better to meditate on the unchangeable word of God. Hallelujah. Than to meditate on the word of a man. Even the man may be the best man, but he has limitations. He may say, I'm coming at four. And then the traffic at Kejetia may not allow him to come. It's not because he's a liar, but because he's man. But there's a certain man of Galilee who never changes, who has no limitations. And that man is worth banking our hopes on. Hallelujah. I was very surprised when one sister came to see me about her getting interested in a brother or a man who was not born again at all. And I said to her, I mean, how can you even bring up such a proposal? You know, but there's one sister in the church who married an unbeliever. And what she's going through now, every time she comes to me, Sister Mommy, talk to the younger women. Oh, what I'm going through, I wouldn't, let, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like anybody to have this experience. So I sent the sister to this other sister who was already married and was having challenges. So the sister spoke to her, counseled her, but still, my sister went ahead. And married an unbeliever. And this married woman who was always weeping and all. I mean, you say that people are unbelievers. But this one's own was to another level. When we go and visit him in his house, he comes with his pants to open the door. To show us that he doesn't respect anything. So if Bishop and I go and visit his wife, co co co, then the man will come. Yes, he opens the door in his pants. And then we will be embarrassed. And we go like, oh, he said, why? It's my house. This is what I have. So, we wouldn't be able to also turn away. So, we'll go gingerly and sit down. And when we sit down, we also come and sit down in his pants. Yes. Can I get you something to drink? And then, we will say, no. We, we, we just came to visit your wife, please. And when the wife comes... She'll be all apologies. We'll be having all night. This man will come. Park in the middle of the road so that other people cannot park. And then he'll come and insult his wife in the meeting. Hey, I'm telling you that shouting in the prayer meeting. And the wife also devised a way. So when the man is shouting, I'm telling you that this meeting, she'll just be pretend she doesn't know him. And she'll be going up and down, speaking in tongues. Kemala mande ne mamala. Kendala babande ne mamala mande This sister has wept many tears. She has called me many times. What are the implications of divorce? What does it mean for our business? And that is why she keeps telling me, tell them. Tell them they don't need this. Tell them that they have a better option. Tell them. But people wouldn't listen. Even one of the Valentine's Day dinners, I made her come and give her testimony so that people would hear. But still, it didn't deter them. So my sister, whom I had sent to this person, my Christian sister, went ahead and married the man. And the same things 
began all over again. And I'm your pastor. What will I do? When you disobey and you come back, I still have to minister to you. And I still don't have to say, I told you so. I just have to say, you know, sometimes God is wiser. And up to today, her husband is not born again. And she comes telling me, I found five condoms used in his pocket. Lady pastor, what should I do? And then I say, Lord, help me to preach to your women. That it's not worth it. The time you should be using to intercede for souls, you'll be using it to intercede for this very difficult situation. And it takes a miracle for God to set in. It's a woman's thing. And we also believe that when we sleep with a man, it will bond him more to us. Sister, the men will be saying, if you love me, show your love by sleeping with me. Show your love by giving him a bar of chocolate. Hallelujah. If it's not time, it's not time. Amen. Give him something to look forward to. Give him something he has not seen yet. Give him something that will make him want to get married. But if you give him everything now, what else is there? Amen. What else is there that he has not seen? And then sometimes when we get pregnant, he says, oh, let's break up. I don't want the child anymore. And we get very surprised because of the sweet words we were given when we were being led to the bed. But it's only a moment of passion. And it passes away. Just like a pressing iron, as soon as you turn it off, the heat goes off. That's how it is. And so ladies, we have to sit up and wisen up. And it's a woman's thing. Hallelujah. And God is calling us, turn your eyes. Look in my law. Look in my word. Even if it's difficult, you obey. You press on. You are going to be okay. Hallelujah. Many women also attempted to believe in their beauty. We think that our beauty is everything. The Bible says beauty is fleeting. Hallelujah. Beauty passes. Go and ask the Miss Garners. I don't know if you watch the television. They were showing Miss Ghana from 1954, 57, 63. And when they came, I was surprised that these were Miss Garners of 57. Huh? They had become another size. All together. And so no matter what you do, your body changes. But some of us, we trust so much in our beauty that we feel that our beauty will answer every question for us. Go and ask Esther. Who, when she was being married, the king proclaimed a public holiday in the whole nation and made a feast. Some of you, your reception, only 200 people. But this one, he made a feast for 127 provinces. That was his, his, his throne encompassed 127 regions. Ghana, we have only 10. And even our regions are not that wealthy. But Persia was a great nation. There's 127 provinces. And he instituted a day called the holiday of Esther. Just because he was marrying Esther. And he sent gifts to everybody. At weddings, you expect gifts. But at Esther's wedding, gifts were sent. And the reception was for everybody. The whole nation, you can... If you are in Takradi, there's reception there. If you are in Ashantiriju, there's reception there. If you are in Brongahafu, there's reception there. That was Esther's lot. And she was chosen among all the beautiful maidens. But do you know that when Mordecai went to Esther, in Esther 4.11, and said that, Esther, go to the king and plead our case. And Esther was trying to be difficult, not knowing why God had put her in the position he had put her in. Ladies, God puts you in a place of influence for a reason. 
I always feel that God has put me in the place where I am for a reason. And that God will judge the way you use that influence. So you don't just sit there and say, oh, this one's sake. This one, let's go. This people, that's how they are. Pastor's wife, small counsel that you are given. All the sheep should be canceled, deleted. How can that be? God puts you there for a purpose. So well, when Mordecai was trying to convince Esther to go, Esther said that, look, you can't just get up and walk into the king's chamber like that. And also, these 30 days, the king has not called me. I thought Esther was the most beautiful woman. How come for 30 days she has not seen the king? The king has not called her for 30 days. Why do you trust in your beauty? Esther was the beauty of beauties. But in spite of the fact that she was marrying the king, there were certain things that the king could not do for her. And there are many things a husband or a man cannot do for you. And sometimes for 30 days he wouldn't have called you because he has his own problems and his own situations. And that is why as a woman you should not build your life, your foundation on a man. A man is a blessing. A husband is a blessing. But before you marry, learn how to be fulfilled. Before you marry, have a life. Before you marry, be happy in yourself. And don't think that when I marry, then my problems will be solved. When I marry, then I'll have joy. When I marry, then I'll have meaning in life. There's no such thing. It takes two whole people to make one. Hallelujah. It doesn't take two halves. Once I met the Winners Chapel pastor in Accra, in our bookshop. And he was with his wife. So he said, oh, ma, like Nigerians say, you know, this is my wife. And I said, oh, so this is your better half. He said, uh-uh, sorry, ma. It is my better whole. The two of us are one, one, and we come together and make one. She's not half, ma. I said, preach it, brother. What you are saying is true. Amen. And so it's not a man who is coming to make you whole. But you must be whole in yourself. You must have a life. Find out what makes you happy. What, how do you release your stress in your life? And that will carry you through because then you would have sat down to think, what makes me happy? It can't be that it's only a man that makes you happy because when you were in your father's house, you were living and you had happy moments before you married. And I always say to the men, we were happy in our father's houses. So if you know that you are bringing us sorrow, leave us where we are. We were happy there. Amen, ladies. Hallelujah. And so like the virtuous woman, you must have things that you do. Amen. She was spinning wool, holding the distaff, going to the merchant ships, bringing her goods from far away, stretching her hands to the needy, having the law of kindness in her mouth, looking to her household, making clothes of scarlet. Her life was full. And then her husband was known in the gates because of who she was. Usually women are known through their husbands, but with a virtuous woman... Her husband is known because of her. Amen. But she had a life. And you too must have a life. You must know God for yourself. You cannot be like the the God whom my, my husband serves. You must have a personal relationship with God yourself. And you must have an encounter with God yourself. You must have friends that make you happy by yourself. It's not a husband who is coming to talk to you all the time. Be there all the time. It's not realistic. And it's not going to happen. 
It's a woman's thing. And there's a way in which we have to rise up above these things. It is true that it's good to have a husband. It is true that the husband must nurture the relationship. But the husband cannot be your all in all. If he's your all in all, you'll be frustrated. Because he will do so many things he doesn't have to do. And he will forget to tell you things. He will forget to inform you. He will not make you a part of his plans sometimes. Are you going to sit down and cry and moan? Hey, there are lots of things to do. Be happy. Amen. If I was to depend on the availability of my husband, then every time there's healing Jesus crusade, my life will have to pull brakes and come to a halt. But every time there's healing Jesus crusade, it is true that it's not always easy to release him. But when he goes, I also have a life. Can you not see that as he has gone to South Africa, I'm also having a life here by the grace of God. So find out what God has invested in you and use it to his glory. And one of the things that has enriched my life also is the company of other women. It has so blessed me. When we're going to Tamale, there were a lot of us in a car. We took packed lunch. We chatted. We laughed. We were happy. It was a long journey. And when we got into Tamale too, some dispatch riders in daughter clothes came to meet us. And who were these dispatch riders? They were ladies. So they also added color to our day. But after every meeting, we could sit for hours. Just chatting, eating, godly things. And we were facing some people in the group because they were some way. So we'll put them on board. Are you? Why did you behave like that in the church? Then we'll face them. And then we'll laugh, give you a nickname. And then we'll flow from there. There was no husband. But we were happy. And we're all married women. But we're happy. But you have to make an effort to have a life. Otherwise, you put your life on hold. You get depressed. You are always thinking, that's not God's way. Hallelujah. God wants us to fashion our lives like the virtuous woman. And to be all that he wants us to be. Amen. Amen. Another thing that's a woman's thing is the difficulty to accept the blessing of your neighbor. We find it difficult. We are not content with the things we have. Men have their own struggles with position, work, and things like that. But our struggles are, who is your husband? And who is mine? What does your husband have? And what do I have? What do you have? And what do I have? What what schools do your children attend? What schools do my children attend? The Bible says, and they comparing themselves with themselves are not wise. But at this juncture, I want us to read a verse from 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. Somebody will have to read for me. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16 to 26. Anybody with a mic? There's a mic here. 1 Kings chapter 3, 16 to 26. 1 Kings chapter 3, 16 to 26. 1 Kings 3, 16 to 26. Then came the two women that were Halot unto the king, and stood before him. And the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. 
And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she was, because she overlaid it. And she rose at midnight and took my son from beside me. And while thy, thine handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead, and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. 24. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one, and half to the other. Then speak the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Amen. Amen. Now, these are two women in the house. The Bible says there was no stranger with them. When they are strangers with us, especially men, we pretend. We are sweet. We are gentle. Hey, what we won't do for ourselves as women, we'll do for another man. Oh, say, what will you drink? Say, what will you have? But when it's woman to woman, this one, you see me, I see you. Here we are. Amen. And they were in a house. The Bible says there was no stranger with them. And one delivered. Three days after, the other one also delivered. And they were in the house together. Just as we are in life together, going through the experiences of life together. And the one lay on her baby. And when the baby died, she exchanged the baby for the living child of the other woman. So they went to King Solomon. Now, two newborn babies. How do you make a difference? There, there may not be much difference because when babies are born initially, they all have crumpled faces and they all look some way. So it's very difficult when they are that newborn to tell which one is which. And Solomon said, okay, bring a sword and let me divide the baby. And the one who was a real mother, there was a yearning within her. And she said, no, don't kill the baby. But the one that was not the child said that, let it my, neither be mine nor hers. Divide it. And that's how we are as women. When another woman has something that we don't have, our cry is, let it neither be mine nor hers. Destroy it. It's a woman's thing. Let it neither be mine nor hers. If I don't have, she shouldn't have. If I don't have a good husband, she should not have a good marriage. If I don't have children, she should not have children. If it's not well with my children, it should not be well with her. If I don't have a good car, she should not have a good car. If I don't have a good name, I have to spoil her name so that we are all at par. 
Let it neither be mine nor hers. level one. That's it. It's a woman's thing. Let it neither be mine nor hers. Divide it now. King Solomon, divide it. We are not able to celebrate each other's victories. We are not able to be genuine about each other's promotion. We are not able to be happy about each other's going forward and advancement. We are just like these two women who appeared before King Solomon. And our cry in our hearts, we don't say it, is let it neither be mine nor hers. But what does it matter if she has a good marriage and you don't? The fact that she comes at par with you does not solve your problem. Hallelujah. The fact that she doesn't have or she loses a good thing and becomes like you does not take your problem away. So why is it that you are using that to solve your problem? The Lord is dialing our numbers this morning. The Lord is doing something in our hearts this morning. And it is when we are together, we know each other. So if when somebody does this, we know what it means. And the way you tell your husband, oh, but what did she do? But we know body language. She did this. It means that I don't care. (laughs) Amen, ladies. Let it neither be mine nor hers. But Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content, to be happy. It takes a contented heart. If you are not content, no matter what you have, you will always see something somebody has that you don't have. Hallelujah. Whenever we go to Korea, you know, to be with Dr. Cho, I'm always surprised. Every time I pinch myself, is it real? Am I really in Korea? With all these great American men of God that you see on television, is it real? And when we go to Korea, Dr. Cho gives the pastor's wives money to spend. As soon as you arrive, there's money in an envelope for you, the wife, to spend. Because he recognizes that you have given something for your husband to be in the ministry. So the men have board meetings, they are going here, but we, we have money to spend. Amen. And then, when that money is finished, then you can live. I mean, if you have any extra money, it's up to you. But as I stay with the American pastor's wives, bishop's wives, we sit on the same bus. Sometimes when we sit on the bus, we may be talking about our lives or ministry, and Keith Butler and his wife will be saying, oh, yes, we can come to Ghana. Oh, yes, we're sitting by us. Oh. How many nautical miles is that? And I'm wondering, ah, why is he saying nautical? It's like, oh, some have ships and some have airplanes. So said, honey, we can refuel in Ghana and then fly to. And as they are talking about refuel, you too, you have your Toyota Camry. You must learn to be happy in your Toyota Camry. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when we have the pastor's dinners, just the board dinners, the men come and give testimony of what the Lord is doing. So sometimes they say, you know, as we took our Sunday offerings of 50,000 every Sunday, we knew that we needed more to do something. You know, just 50,000 Mother's Day offering. 
You know, but we knew that the Lord could move $50,000 a Sunday. There are things in this world. My husband and I would say, and there's a pastor's wife, two of them amongst them, who are my good friends. So every time they'll be calling my room, Adelaide, come, let's go shopping. And so I go with them. But the first day I went, when I went with them, so let's go to Lottie. Lottie is a shop by. Oh, Lottie, it looked ordinary with some floors. So let's go. And when we went, hey, one bag, $5,000. This one, $3,000. Then they'll be looking at it. Adley, don't you want anything? $3,000. Wouldn't you give it to me? I owe me crow. So I just say, one of them is called Genie. So I say, oh, Genie, no, I'm not interested in this, you know, the price. But I'm happy to know, you know. So, and every shop has a designer name. So when you go here, it's uh, Fe, uh, Salvatore Ferragamo. When you go here, so I've learned more names. And I know more, I know imitation, I know what is real. But it doesn't mean I have any. <laughs> and I thank God that I genuinely don't have the drive to have it. I rather think that, ah, so this bag that you are holding, 5,000, what will it do? And on one of the trips, Dr. Cho actually gave me a Chanel bag. And when I looked at the price at the airport, I shuddered. But when I looked at the bag, it was not nice to me. So when I came to Ghana, I looked for a lady who knows such things in the church and who enjoys such things. And I said, you, you would like such? She said, what? Are you giving it to me? I can't believe it. And I dashed it to her crowd fully. Because it's not nice at all. It has a name, but it's not nice. Then the same lady invited us to Seattle. When we went, she said, oh, she wants to go and buy scarves for the pastors who came and did not come with their wives. Scarves. Something small for them to take to their countries. Oh, scarf, dear. Say, I know, dear. One dollar crowd home, two dollars. When we went to the shop, she started to cry. Oh, these ones are on sale. Beloved, it was $100 for one. And it was on sale. That was the first time I had ever stepped in a shop like that. And then we saw something like some shorts, looking, you know, Capri. And then she just asked me, I said, is this nice? I said, oh, very nice. Before I knew, she's buying it for me. Oh, with the top. But she added the thing. $2,000. Oh. I, and the church is full of millionaires. Pastor Capra was there on one of the questions. Full of millionaires. When they say somebody to give, whatever, they all get up. Hey! It's not a simple place. Oh. When you go to people's houses, they have driveways of miles and miles before you see the house. So when she bought it for me, I was very upset. I didn't say anything. When I came to the hotel, I was telling my husband, hey, so what will you do? I said, this thing, you can't even go to a wedding. No. She said, Bibia, when you, Saturdays you are relaxing. That's what you wear. But when we left Seattle, I flew to New York for a daughter program. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. and said that. The tags are still in. Why don't you go and look for that shop and return it and get your money back? And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I said, come, Sarah, let's go. And she looked on the map and said, hey, that's my shop. It's in the area. 
this shopping malls, and you don't have some there. I said, you, you don't know a lot of things. You say you live in America, you don't know a lot of things. So we looked and we found some in Westchester also, so we went. Hey, when we parked in the park, parking lot, we were the only black people there. When we went, we said, oh, we want to have a drink. So let's have a drink before we enter the shop. When we went, the drink, one is $10. And why you Then we went into the shop. When we went to the shop, I gave the clothes. And then the guy said, oh, it's the down that is 2,000. The top is 500. So that gives you 2,500. It was more than that. So he said, I cannot give you back the money, but I can give you back a card. And on this card, you can spend that money, but it has to be in this shop. And you have to spend it. It doesn't expire. Do you know that it's been about three years? I still have the card. Every day I buy something for every year. I still have the card. And, and so I said, Sarah, Bramincho, Bibi. So I went to clothes. Oh, strap. I said, check out the price. 3,000. You, you live here. I don't live here. I'm showing you things that exist. But on that day, I saw a pair of the shoes. And I said, Sarah, this thing is on sale. We looked under. The price was not bad. But the catch is that we have to spend the money in the shop. We said, okay, we'll buy it. Just as we got to the counter, there comes a Kodaki, a dark person. He says, Hello, lady pastor. Yesterday's daughter was powerful. Say, hey, where do you know me for? So I'm from the Bronx uh, branch. But uh, we also have staff discount. So lady pastor, choose what you want. I will add my discount to it and then you can flow. That is what the Lord can do. But if I'm going to compare myself to the pastor's wife in Seattle and say to my husband, can't you see that Jeannie has been buying Ferragamo Salvatore? Atari Baku 3,000. You will never be content. But if you are content in yourself already, the Lord can promote you. You can, you can relate on any level. Hallelujah. But let it neither be mine nor hers. It's an evil spirit. And it has to be driven from out of us. Hallelujah. You will always come across people that are greater than you. You will always come across people that have something you don't have. You will always come across people who have a lifestyle that you don't have. When I went to the pastor's house, his house is a golf course. And you, you stay at Dansuman. Are you going to compare? Daughter, it's a woman's thing. But we have to overcome that thing. When you are content with yourself, you accept who you are and you just flow in who you are. Hallelujah. And I think that when God sees that, he lifts you up and gives you even surprises that you don't expect. But because we compare ourselves with ourselves, the work of God cannot go on. When this one is preaching, I also have to preach. Not because we love God, but because it's competition and competitiveness. And our whole motive it's warped and it's not right. But this morning, I think we are rising up to become all that God wants us to be. Amen. The next thing and the last thing is our ability, it's a woman's thing to have the ability to destroy everything. We have the ability to destroy everything. You see, our weapons are 
seemingly harmless. They look weak. They look like nothing. But they are powerful. And that's why I always give the example that Eve just gave an apple. Adam did eat. The Bible didn't say Adam asked any questions. He just ate, thinking that Eve has given him something, so he should eat it. And today, that's where we are. When God came to the garden, in Genesis 3.13, God said, What is this that thou hast done? I believe God could see sickness. He could see disease. He could see cancer. He could see curses. He could see wars. He could see farmings. He could see broken relationships. He could see incurable diseases just because of what Eve had done. And it's a woman's thing to have in us an intrinsic ability to destroy what we want to destroy. And sometimes it's not even that we want to destroy, but we don't think deep enough like Eve. We just think it's an apple and that it will just make us wise. But when we eat it, we realize that we have tampered with God's creation. And every woman has the ability to put together or to destroy. And we are the ones who scatter churches the most. With our tongue, things that we have not seen, we say we have seen. Things that we have not heard, we say we have heard. And we are very good evangelists at spreading people's problems. We don't evangelize with the gospel. We evangelize with people's situation. Hey, they broke up. She left him. He came. He married again. He did this. And he did that. And he did that. Instead of using our energy for that, why don't we use our gift of conversation and talking and gossip to gossip about Christ and to let more people come to know him? When you look at Delilah, she never carried any gate she never killed any Philistine, but she dealt with Samson fully because they promised her money. And Samson, because of Delilah's lap, he began to not think anymore. I think that every good woman has something to learn from Delilah. I have a sermon called Lessons from Delilah. And one of them is that you must be a lap to your husband from the harshness of the outside world. You must provide a lap, just a lap, a lap. When your husband comes from work, may he not come and lie on a bed of thorns. May he come and lie in the lap of not a Delilah, but a godly woman. And when they lie in that lap, it seems that everything else stops. Because that's what happened to Samson. He lay in Delilah's lap. Delilah will lie to you three times. Bring the Philistines upon you. Still, you are not learning your lesson. The Bible says she pressed him with her words and with her tears. Just tears. Usually, when people cry, they look weak. But when a woman cries, it may be her power and her weapon. Amen, ladies. (laughs) Tears heal. Tears are therapeutic. But sometimes we cry so that we will have our own way. When your husband sees you cry, oh, it's okay, it's okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, it's okay. Manipulation. Manipulation, it's a woman's thing. Amen. Sarah, God had given Abraham a promise. 
And Sarah said to Abraham, have you considered Hagar? Maybe you can have children with her and then I can become the mother and then I can see how it will be and then. Then when she had finished cooking that up, Abraham never said, I want another wife. He never said, Hagar is tempting me. It's Sarah who brought the suggestion. But when Hagar came on top, then Sarah said, look how the maid is behaving. Can't you see? You see, we cook the things, but we, we don't do chain analysis to see that this thing, it came out of this situation. We don't see it. We see the situation as it is. So Sarah said, the Lord judged between me and you. It's good God did not answer that prayer. The Bible says that she drove Hagar out with a strong hand. But because of that, that is why there's problem in the Middle East today. After so many thousands of years, one woman's advice. Our things are far-reaching. If they are good, they are far-reaching. If they are bad, they are far-reaching. I've given you two examples. If creation up to today is suffering, the whole creation groaneth, waiting for the manifestation of the children of God. We are here today. Sarah, one mistake. Take Hagar and let her give me children. Today, the Palestinians are the descendants of Ishmael and there's no peace in the world because of the Middle East. Al-Qaeda, terrorism, Iraq, it's all from that one woman's mistake. She was not an army general. She was not a commander-in-chief. She was just a wife. It's a woman's thing. It's sobering, but it's true. It's a woman's thing. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, her obedience. One woman saying, yes, I'm a virgin, but I'll decide to let the Holy Ghost give me a child. Let people talk. Let even my prospective husband say that he will leave me. I will obey God. Today, thousands and thousands of years after, Jesus Christ is still a savior. Hallelujah. One woman's obedience. One woman's... The Bible says that... Bible commentary says she was about 16 years of age. Was that time they used to marry early. She didn't do anything. She didn't attend any UN conference. She didn't have any council of state discussion. She didn't call any election. She was just in her house when the angel came. And she said, Behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your will. It's a woman's thing to have influence. It's a woman's thing to have influence that is far-reaching. It's a woman's thing to use that influence for good or for bad. It lies within our hands. It is said that she who rocks the cradle rules the world. The baby that the woman is nurturing like this, the, the person rocking that cradle rules the world. She doesn't have to be elected president. Just in her kitchen, she can do things. Hallelujah. When you looked at Sisera and the army of Sisera, that even Barak was afraid to go to battle. And he had to tell Deborah, excuse me, the prophetess that, this is what is happening. Deborah says, I will go. I will go for the battle, but the honor will be to a woman. And Sisera was running away from the Israeli army. When he got to a tent of a woman and her husband, a Kenite, and the woman was called Jael, Sisera, the captain of the host that Israel feared so much that even men were hiding. He turned in and said, please give me some milk to drink. And Jael gave him goat's milk. Milk no no me and he slept. 
and jail took just a nail and came quietly. Milk now tells water. And she just put it in his temple and drove it through into the ground. That was the end of Sisera. It wasn't chariots. It wasn't great armies. It wasn't scarred missiles. It wasn't uh, things fly, uh, reconnaissance missions. It was no such thing. It was a glass of milk and a nail. Ideal milk, cowbell milk, whichever one. It's a woman's thing. It's always very sobering to me. And it makes me want to use whatever I have in my hands for the glory of God. Because when you are in a place of influence, you can turn things a certain way. That the man will not even know what you are doing. You will present it as a good thing, but it is something else. But God will judge us. And God is judge. And we have to turn away from that. And use the weapons that God has given us. The influence he has given us. But let's use it for the furtherance of his kingdom. Let's use it for the righteousness of God's people. Let us not be the ones who pull men of God down. The Bible says that by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, not a slice, not a loaf, but a piece. Now bread, a piece of bread, when you do this, that's the end of it. And it just takes a whorish woman to do that. Great men have fallen because of the evil influence of women. But today as we see the far-reaching effects of even just a word, what we say. I believe that somebody like Elijah, his ministry was sustained by women. The, wi- the widow who said that we are just making this food to eat and die. And then Elisha, the Shunammite woman who made the room for him. These things look like they are not powerful, but, but without them, the ministry will not stay. So we also don't have to look down on the roles that God has called us to. But let's see that the Holy Ghost can use these roles to lift up the name of Jesus and to extend the kingdom of God. It is a woman's thing. God bless you. Please stand to me. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.